Good morning, Refuge Church partners, families, and friends. This is Elder Baldwin. This is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. I thank God for his joy. And I've decided that on today, I'm not going to let the enemy take away from me that which he did not give. Amen. So let's have a wonderful service, a wonderful communion, and just bless God. So let's go into prayer to bless this service. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for this day. We glorify you. We lift you up. You are our God, the one and only God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we give you our hallelujah. We give you our praise, Father God. We thank you for in this troubling time, you are still in control and you're still guiding your people, healing your people and taking care of your people. So Father, we ask you to come and send your presence into this service, into our individual homes and let us enjoy this day and enjoy your word and enjoy the life and the health that you've given us. So we thank you and we glorify you in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, saints, be blessed. And now we're going to turn it over to Elder Trey for our declarations. This is normally the part of our worship service where I would say that you could have been anywhere in the world, but the governor says you're supposed to be at home. However, you could have tuned into any number of worship services at this very moment, and we're so very glad and honored that you chose this one. And though our methodologies and our delivery may have changed, we have not changed who we are. So we'll make the very same declarations that we do every Sunday. Welcome to the Refuge Church, a safe place where everyone can grow one step closer to Jesus Christ every day. We are biblical, balanced, and beneficial in everything that we do. We are Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-filled, and kingdom-oriented. We are built for this. Now, if you believe that, even in the middle of your house right now, if you could just put those hands together and bless the name of the Lord, our God. Well, amen and good morning. Uh, as you know, that uh, as we've been working through all this year, we've been talking through Ephesians 2 and 10. That's been our verse. That's been our go-to that we've been talking about all this year. We've been talking about how we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which he has prepared beforehand that we should do them and we've been talking about and we've been declaring that we're built for this even in this season of coronavirus and uh, stay-at-home orders and all the other things you need to know that you have been built and prepared by the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ for moments not only like this but what's gonna happen on the other side amen and so even in that process I've been teaching through this series of Christology in layman's terms. I've been trying to connect uh, the, the high uh, ethereal thoughts and, 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 and theories about who Jesus is by making sure we break it all the way down and putting it into layman's terms. And in essence, what I'm trying to prove to us through this series is that the person of Jesus, our Savior, he was uniquely built for the job of being our savior. Nobody else could have done it. Nobody else had the right components to do for us what Jesus has done. He is uniquely built 
for the job of being our savior. And so I, I'm moving on to this next phase, this next level, and I'm dealing with uh, uh, Christology in layman's terms from the title or the topic, he fixed it for me. He fixed it for me. Uh, we've dealt with, in the past couple of weeks, we dealt with ontological Christology, which is dealing with Jesus and his natures. He was both divine and human, existing in the same person. Uh, and then last week, we moved on to his functional Christology, that is looking at the works of Christ, how he, because he was both divine and human, he could bring the resources of heaven to bear on the problems here on earth. And as we have looked at these two aspects today, I want to touch on the final aspect of Christology, which is referred to as sociological Christology. So, soteriology is uh, based upon the Greek word soteria, which deals with salvation. In other words, what Jesus has done to accomplish our salvation. And so when we talk about soteriological Christology, uh, we're dealing with the fact that every time the Godhead has to deal with humanity, he always has to perfectly balance every aspect of his character. That, that though he is holy and just in dealing with humans, he has to balance out his justice and, and his holiness, which can't stand sin, with how to be merciful and gracious and loving to sinners. Uh, and as we talk about and as we look at how God has to uh, delicately balance and perfectly balance every aspect of his character, realize that in dealing with us, the justice and the holiness of God would not allow him to overlook sin. And yet his love and his mercy, the other aspects of his character, would not allow him to be indifferent to sinners. Uh, so he, he has to perfectly balance both of those aspects. Uh, John R. Stott, an amazing uh, uh, philosopher, theologian, preacher, pastor uh, in England, he says, divine love triumphed over divine wrath by divine sacrifice. The way that God could perfectly balance his justice and his holiness with his love and his mercy was built in the sacrifice that he himself provided for him through Jesus Christ. Watch this. The, the Bible talks about uh, just a little portion of a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 from the New Living Translation. Uh, Paul says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Real, real simple part of a verse that Christ was our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. Listen, uh, when we talk about that he fixed it, when we talk about soteriological Christology, really what we're talking about is that Jesus is uniquely built to be our substitutionary sacrifice for sin in order to perfectly balance his justice and his holiness divine love had to be sacrificed for us he is jesus is our passover lamb because he is both god and human and because he accepted the mission of bringing heaven's resources to bear on on earth's problem of sin he ultimately had to serve as the perfect substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. He couldn't let us die. He became, he is our Passover lamb. By, by talking about him, by, by equating him with a Passover lamb, uh, what Paul is doing, what scripture is doing, is reminding us 
of the original Passover where they had to go and find a lamb that had no blemish, no faults, no diseases. There couldn't be anything wrong with the lamb. Then the lamb was sacrificed as a substitute for the family that would then consume him. Then the, the, as they killed this animal, as they killed this lamb, the blood was shed on the behalf of those people. And in the Old Testament, the blood covered their, their dwelling place. The, and through that blood, as, as God saw the blood, he passed over them. He, he extended his mercy because of the lamb's blood. And in each one of those cases of the Old Testament Passover lamb, Jesus passes every test. He ticks every box. He was without sin, without blemish, without fault. He was sacrificed on our behalf. He, he didn't let us die. He died in our place. He shed his blood so that when God the Father looks at the blood of Jesus, he extended mercy to us. Listen, that, that's why Jesus even used the Passover meal as a way to introduce to the disciples this new covenant. Uh, check out what Mark chapter 14 verse 22 says. The Bible says, and as they were eating, do you see that? As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Watch this. Uh, in, in the way that the Passover meal is, is celebrated by Jews, even to this day, there are three different uh, aspects of bread. Uh, it's without leaven. Uh, it's bread that they use and they have two. They take the middle one, they break it in half at the beginning of the meal. They then take the largest half and wrap it in a towel and then they hide it somewhere in the house. And at a certain point, uh, after they get done with some other stuff that happens in their Passover worship, then they send the kids running through the house to find that, it's called the afikoman. It, it's, it's, they, they find that, that other piece of the middle. The, it isn't the first piece. It's not the last piece. It's the one in the middle. It's not father or spirit. It's the son. And it, 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 it happens right before the meal is over where Jesus, he takes bread that has already been broken and then he breaks it again to give to them and invites them to eat. Watch this. As they, as they prepare to take of this bread, we have to notice that Jesus had already proclaimed in John 6, earlier in his ministry, John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He equates himself with bread. And here, as he talks about this is my body, the equation of the bread to him now goes even further because the, the bread that was used, the, the, the matzah that is used, it is bread with no yeast. There's no nothing to puff it up, nothing to corrupt it. That it it's, it's made without leaven or yeast. Uh, the, the Bible says in, in 1 Peter 2 and 22 that Jesus... He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. In the Bible, leaven or yeast is equated to sin. But Jesus took bread and said, this is my body, this bread that has no yeast. But then the, the way that the, the matzah is made, uh, it's made with, with holes uh, uh, tapped into and broken through the bread. It is pierced. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 53, the first part of the fifth verse, that he was pierced because of our transgressions. Jesus said, this is my body and it's going to be pierced for you. Uh, also, the way that the matzah is made, that, the, that there are stripes that are laid into the face of the unleavened bread. It, it's striped uh, because in, in Isaiah 53 verse 5, the next part of that verse, it says, The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But then the Bible says that he took bread that was broken. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. We, when we talk about what Jesus has done, this bread represents his body. It's uncorrupted by sin. It was pierced. It was beaten. It was bruised. And it was broken. But on our behalf, he substituted his body. He took the penalty that we deserved. He did this. For us, uh, the story is told of a little boy that um, his his he had a, a an older brother uh, who was only about eight years old, so he was about five, and his older brother was in a terrible car accident, and the only way to save his life was they needed to have an emergency blood transfusion. They checked the mother, they checked the father. The only one in the family who had the same blood type was the younger brother. And so the dad went to the younger brother and he said, uh, listen, Chris, uh, in order for Bobby to make it, we're gonna need you to be able to give blood. Do you think you can do that? The little boy said, yeah, I think I can do that, dad. I wanna make sure, I wanna make sure my brother's okay. So they took him into the room, they prepped him, and as they started the needle in his arm, the, the little boy looked up with his father with tears in his eyes and he said, well, dad, wh when do I die? It was at that moment that the father realized that his son misunderstood his explanation. He thought he was going to have to give his life up to save his brother, not just some blood, but his whole life. Yet he was willing to give his life to save his brother. When we say Jesus is our Passover lamb, he was willing to give his life to save us. And the Bible says in Luke 22 and 20 that after supper was over, he took the cup. Um, and there are actually four cups of wine that are used uh, throughout the Passover meal. And the third cup, interestingly enough, is after they're done eating, they get the third cup. And it's known, listen, as the cup of redemption. And we know based upon what Jesus said when he said it, that it was the cup of redemption that he took. And he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Uh, the New Living Translation says it like this, that this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. He said, this is my blood, because the Bible had already been clear that without the shedding of blood, sin can't be taken away. It, it's The life is in the blood. Jesus gave his life through the, the shedding of his own blood to take away what he did not need to pay for. But because he was our perfect substitutionary sacrifice, he stepped in and he became our Passover lamb. He gave up his body to satisfy the penalty for sin and to take away the wrath of God. But with his blood, he seated us in the heavenly realms and confirmed our covenant with God. Jesus is our Passover lamb. His substitutionary death, watch this, fixed our past but it also fixes whatever may come in the future. What he paid for with his body 
fixes the past, but then he shed his blood to take care of whatever may come up in the future. The blood of the first Passover lamb protected God's people from a plague that was taking lives. But the blood of our Passover lamb, it not only protects, but it heals and it frees and it redeems and it liberates and it cleanses and it saves and it forgives and it makes whole and it delivers and it restores and that blood still works. That's why I want to invite you this first Sunday. Let's take time. I want you to take your communion receptacles right where you are. I want you to take them in your, your left hand. I want you to lift them up to God. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you would sanctify these elements. It's just a sign. It's just a symbol of what Jesus has done to be our substitutionary sacrifice. But God, I pray that you would cleanse them pray that you would sanctify them, that we may celebrate what Jesus has done for us as our Passover lamb to make us right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible says that that night Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's take and eat together. Then the Bible says, after supper, Jesus took the cup of redemption and he said, this is my blood, which we shed for the new covenant. The new covenant is based upon the fact that we are redeemed. We're redeemed from the curse of sin. We're redeemed from the law. We're redeemed from the penalty. We have a new covenant. Jesus fixed it for me and you and then signed and sealed it with his blood. Let's take and drink together. Now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 that when we take, a, take part of this together that there is healing in the assembled body of Christ. Even though we're scattered, we're still gathered. And so we're believing for healing power. And right now, if there's a sickness in your body, if there's disease, or even just to rebuke coronavirus around you, I need you to lift both hands up to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said by the stripes laid on Jesus, we would be healed. And so, Father, right now, I pray your blood covering, your covenant covering on each and every raised hand. And I pray in the name of Jesus for healing, for wholeness, for deliverance, that because of what was laid on our Passover lamb, we declare that sickness has to pass over us, that disease has to pass over us, that sin and degradation has to pass over us. And we declare that we stand as the righteousness of God. Because of Jesus Christ, we believe it and we declare it and we decree it in Jesus' name. Amen. I need somebody to put your hands together if you receive that for you. If you receive that for you. Hallelujah. We give God praise because Jesus is our perfect substitutionary sacrificial Passover lamb, which means he fixed it for me and he fixed it for you. Come on, one more time, put your hands up and just give God a, a real quick word of gratitude. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. Now listen, in just a few seconds, you're going to hear a special testimony about how God is still continuing to move in the life of his people and even in the life of his church. So I want to give God praise for what you're about to hear because I know what you're about to hear from Sister Rosa Berry. God bless you.
just wanted to stop by and give a brief testimony of how amazing and awesome our God is. So last year and continuing into this year, I have been trying to um, get my student loans forgiven by the government. Uh, I'm a teacher and I have worked at a school, a low income school for over five years and I was under the impression that I would get some loan forgiveness. Long story short, I was denied four times for student loan forgiveness. It was very, very discouraging. Um, so the last time I applied, which was in November of 2019, I had cried and cried and I prayed and I was like, God, please, I just, I, I want what, you know, I feel I've worked so hard for as an educator and it wasn't even a lot that I was asking them to forgive me for. So I just prayed and at that time I was just done. I was like, I, I can't, I'm done. So I gave it to God. That Sunday at church, um, a, a, a woman from the I team did her testimony about, her and her husband did a testimony about how the student loans were paid and forgiven. And you know, that really encouraged me um, and it inspired me and gave me a, a, a push to just say, hey, you know what? Let me call and find out why I was denied this fourth time and see what's going on. By the grace of God, I was able to speak to um, a top-ranking uh, manager, and as he looked over my paperwork, he was like, I don't know why you were denied all those other times. Everything is in order. I'm not sure what the issue is. Don't worry. I'm going to push this through for you, and you're going to have an answer, you know, by tomorrow. At that time, I was, I was done. I was, you know, Lord, your will be done. If they give it to me, if they don't, God, I trust and believe that you're going to take care of this debt for me. I know that you're going to do it. So last week... Um, my husband looked at me at, the, at church and he was like, hey, you know, your credit score just went up 30 points. I was like, it did? I was like, okay. I was like, maybe, maybe it has something to do with my student loans. So I was like, okay, let me check. Like, it's approved? They approved it? I finally got the money that I needed? You know, apparently it was approved on March 12th. I did not find out until like March 17th that I was forgiven um, and that they had given me the money that was owed to me. And I was like, wow, God, during this time of, you know, everyone is on lockdown and everyone is uh, uh, afraid of, of viruses and sicknesses and whatever, God, you have given our family a light at the end of the tunnel. And I just wanted to just testify and say how awesome our God is because it was nobody but him. The moment I stopped depending on, on man and worrying and crying, the moment I just released it and said, God, your will be done, he just opened up the windows of heaven and he blessed our family so much that I couldn't keep it to myself. I had to share it with you and I pray that I pray that my testimony strengthens you during this time of, of, of isolation or sorrow or whatever. Just know that God is still in the blessing business. He's still able and I just give him all the glory. Thank you, Jesus, because I will. Me and my family will be debt free by the end of this year because God did it. He pushed down that student loan and I'm just so thankful and I know that everything's going to be okay. So I just want to say thank you, Lord, and I pray that you're blessed by this. What a powerful testimony from our sister. How many of you know that God is still in the blessing business? Just like he blessed her, he'll bless you and he'll bless me. But right now, I'd like to take this opportunity to encourage you to be a blessing to our ministry. There are three ways in which you can give. The first way is through the Givelify app. If you don't have the app, no worries. Just download it uh, to your device and you can give that way. Or you can go to our website. Just go to refugechurchmiami.org and you can give there. Or you may decide to just mail it in directly to us. 
The Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver. So whichever way you do it, do it cheerfully and God will reward you and he will bless you. Well, bless the Lord. Thank you so much for spending this time with us this first Sunday uh, that God has allowed us to be in this state and in, in the places that we're in. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is up to in our lives and even around us. Despite what we hear on the news, our God is still in control. He's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. So listen, I need everybody to lift their hands while I pronounce this benediction blessing over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would allow your face to shine upon each of these, your people. Thank you, O oh God, that they are blessed in their going and in their coming. Thank you, O oh God, for what you're continuing to speak and to say and to proclaim over our lives. And we receive it because of Jesus, our Passover lamb, who fixed it for us. Now unto him who was able to keep us from stumbling, who one day will present us faultless before his throne, to the only wise God be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you and there's nothing that you can do about it. Walk in his blessings and watch the Lord cover you.